Hey, thanks again for joining us for our Bible studies that we want to be doing on Sunday evenings uh, that we wanted to get started and do on a regular basis, and hopefully we'll get back to doing them on site. But right now, we're going to just continue in that Foundations book study. If you have that handbook, why don't you get it out, or Val has probably sent you the notes for the what we're going to cover this evening. You can get those printed real quick and then uh, continue with us as we're going to be heading to the chapter that we want to talk about church and give some basic doctrine while you're getting set and getting everybody ready. Let's do a little bit of a fun trivia type thing. Let's uh, today do a little bit of family feud. I'm going to ask them questions you see there at home or wherever you're at to see if you can uh, get the same answers that the audience had during some of these questions. Let's, uh, let's see what we come up with. Name something you associate with summer. Something. What's that? Swimming. Swimming. Heat. Watermelon. Watermelon. Uh, John, you would think food, I'm sure. Okay, that's not... A, <laughs> ice cream, well, there you go. There, there you have it. Here's what they said, camping. I thought of you right away when the camping came up. Barbecues, vacations, pools, beaches. Number one was warm weather. There you go. They got that at home. Let's see another one. Name a place parents can't wait for their kids to go. Away. <laughs> away. School. School. To bed would have been my first, first thought right away. Here they said, to a relative's place. I, I think they mean to send them to the grandparents, Tony. Um, to camp, to a friend's place, to bed. Number one is can't wait until they go to school. I bet you in the COVID era, that will intensify. Here we go. Third question. Name something most people do just once a week. Shopping. Grocery shopping. Cleaning. Cleaning. Any other ideas? John, I know you want to say take a bath. (laughs) Sure, that was on the tip of your tongue, right? Uh, Anything else? But get paid? Yeah. No, that's not up there. Here we go. Eat out. Sleep in. Clean the house. Do the laundry. Grocery shop. And number one was once a week people go to church. Hmm. Here we go. Now, name something you eat with a hamburger. French fries. fries. Got to be French fries, right? Anything else? Pickles. Pickles. Anything else? What's that? Cheese. Cheese. You're naming all the different condiments. Anything else? Chips. The bun. Okay. <laughs> the studio audience said pickles, tater tots, onion rings, salad. That struck me odd. And soup. Uh, yeah, it must have been a California audience. Something a little bit different. French fries was number one. Name something you hope doesn't break down. Your car. Your, car. Your, body. Your body. You guys got the top two answers, I believe, if I recall right. TV is up there as well. You got three out of five, guys. You're doing good. Uh, Wi-Fi is not up there, but something close to it. What's that? Computer. You got one more to go, if I recall right. Your babysitter. Your babysitter. (laughs) Not the babysitter. Here we go. TV, communication. Okay, computer, body, and number one was car. What is another word used for book? A tome. Whoa, English teacher. Another word for a book. What's that? Doorstop. 
Uh, yeah, that's what Tony did with his books during school, all the school we paid for. Uh, anything else? Any other ideas? John, do you even have a clue? Novel is going to be up there. What'd you get at home? Did you get something? They are dry as a well here, all dried up here with ideas. Publication, volume, paperback, story, number one was novel. Now here's another one that I want you to think about at home. This is, what is another word or a name used for church? Another name for church. Before we do a lot of the discussion here, think about it for a moment, because that's going to be the bulk of our lesson. What we're going to do this evening is we're going to be jumping into our lesson that's talking about church, and we're going to start talking about different names or different titles used for church that are used by God to give a definition, a description of the local church. Let's pick up where we were last week, and if you've just joined us for this time, let me just make sure we're all on the same page as we do our Bible study. We are doing the one-to-one challenge that we talked about in our church that we adopted with the idea of making disciples. Yeah, what we were going to do is try to connect with individuals who don't know the Lord and one-on-one relationships with them so as to introduce them to the faith in Jesus Christ and to help them to grow to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, thus fulfilling the Great Commission. And so this idea is connect with somebody. Help them to come to know the Lord and then to grow in grace for the weeks, months, years beyond that and befriending them as a mentor, as a guide to help them in their faith. And so we've encouraged people to be praying about a family member, a friend, somebody that they can connect with, somebody that they can uh, work with to be able to share their faith and hopefully be able to disciple in the works and words of Jesus Christ. The material that we're using is a booklet that you see that's on our screen and it is called Foundations is the name of the booklet. And we're going through this workbook that has a lot of blanks, asking you to fill them in, and working through the lessons that are giving some basic Bible information. I want to remind you, these are our twofold goals as we are presenting you this material, is we want to help you cement a better understanding of your Bible doctrines. That is, to be able to answer you, for the re- then anybody were to ask, the reason of the hope that was within you, that you could wisely and expertly with using scriptures give biblical answers, why you believe what you believe, and be able to explain basic Bible doctrine. Now, all of us are going to keep on growing in that area of understanding as we continue in our walk through the Lord through the rest of our lives, but there are some basic Bible principles and teachings that you should be able to share with anybody and ground them, whether it be your own children, whether it be your own siblings, your own family members, your classmate, that you can help them to grow in grace. You need to have the basic truths. So, we want to be able to train you to be able to understand but we also want to train you to be able to teach it. Not only that you have an understanding, but how would you communicate this with other people? How could you share this in a Bible study format in particular? One where you could sit down one-on-one or as a couple with another couple or in a small group, work together through some type of uh, lesson plans where you can help them to be able to understand and explain, illustrate, be able to make some application, answer their questions to a basic degree and so we're trying to train you in basic doctrine and also training you to be able to disciple somebody else. So the workbook that we're using that we've chosen is this foundations workbook and so far in the book we've covered several different topics or chapters. We've talked a little bit about the Bible. We've talked some about salvation, eternal security. We've talked about confessing sin. We've talked about baptism, communion. We've talked about prayer 
some of those very basics that any new believer needs to understand in order to have that good walk with the Lord. And so we're in chapter 7. You see the page numbers there on the screen. So if you're not there, turn there. And we're going to be talking about church. We began this the last time we met. And we started discussing some of the aspects. We pointed out, and I'm going to run through some of this material quickly. We pointed out that the word in the New Testament where you find in the English church, it's the word ekklesia. That it comes from a combination of two Greek words, ek and kaleo. And it has the idea of being called out, being gathered from, from wherever to be able to do some business. And it was a term that was used for civic gatherings or for some other private gatherings but it came to be used for a church gathering people who were called together to do God's business and so the ecclesia is a term that frequently shows up and when it shows up in the New Testament it's used in two different applications or references one of those is it's referring to the worldwide the universal the the uh, big body of Christ that is literally the family of God, another term for it, all the believers who have ever lived. And then it is also used of local body of Christ, local churches, that church here, Faith Baptist Church, or there could be you know multiple different exp- explanations in scripture of a local church in Philadelphia, Ephesus, all, Colossae, all these different, uh, different local churches. And so this term shows up frequently. Let's talk and remind you where we were with the universal body. The universal body is made up of all believers. It is including those who from the time of Pentecost, the beginning of the church, until the time that the church is finally done. That is when we are raptured, we are called up into heaven. And it includes all who are born again. It does not seek out and look at and have a denominational reference. It is everybody who is born again. Whether those individuals are young or old, it is all the believers in Christ. And so that term shows up in some passages where we talk about the one body, the one spirit, the one faith. Paul talks about when he's he's quoting Christ and Christ's love for the church, he uses this singular term for all who are the bride of Christ. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, he says that he might sanctify and cleanse this one big group with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself, a singular glorious gathering of all the believers. I speak concerning Christ and the church, the universal uh, conglomerate of believers from all the ages from Pentecost until this day or until we get raptured. He makes comment about that when Jesus is referencing the idea in first comment about the church, I will build my church. Reference to this large entity that is going to be in existence from Pentecost and forward. And so we know that there is that idea, that concept. And although it is a good thing to be a part of that big family by being born again to as many as believe gave you power to become the sons of God. All of us want to make sure that we introduce as many people as possible to come into this family of God, into this universal church. And it's a great thing. And it's a good thing. And we are delighted. And that causes us to have a common bond with believers who may be in other local churches that are different from ours. But we have a common bond when we run into them, when we meet them, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. The fact is that this universal church, as though, though it is a good thing, it has some limits. It is unable to meet all the responsibilities that are given to the church in the New Testament. 
It, it, it can't do certain things that only a local entity can do, a local church. I'll mention that in a moment. But therefore, the New Testament must be referring not only to this large body, but also to a smaller body that is functional to carry out all that God wants us to be doing. And so that's the idea of what we would call the local church. To illustrate what I'm getting at, let me just make these comments. And you can add these to your notes however you want. The universal church cannot yet meet together. Hebrews talks about not forsaking the assembly. There is never a single place or single time that the universal church can gather to become that assembly. So it's limited in that regard. It doesn't have universal officers that are elected by, a, by the congregation. We know that historically. That we know that practically even now, that we can't elect worldwide officers as we don't even know all the believers on the other side of the world. We know that as well it doesn't do a universal communion. That it's, and yet the church is called to do communion when they gather. And so the universal body can't do that. It doesn't take up weekly offerings. It has no recovery program whereby it can help to recover somebody who's gone astray or somebody who needs to have that form of discipline to show that they are, they are struggling with Christ. How do you kick them out of the family of God? So he's, he's giving us the idea that there is a local church, local entities that are smaller gatherings of believers together who can fulfill all these practical functions that the universal body can't. And so we would say this, but of all the aforementioned duties and practices in the New Testament, the local church, the local gatherings can fulfill all of those things we just mentioned. They can do the communion. They can elect officers. They can do a recovery program, even if it involves putting somebody outside the body for a period of time. They can meet regularly. They can do the missions work of supporting and et cetera, et cetera. And so when we talk about the local church, back on page 99 in your booklet, we talk about each local church is a part of this big body. So Faith Baptist Church, all of us who are part of this and are truly born again, we are a part of the universal body of Christ as well. But our focus is going to be upon our local church where we can carry out the everyday practical duties of those obligations we have as a functioning, visible church body. But I want you to understand, I'm going to come back to this later, that even though local church is part of the universal body, each local church is also called a body of Christ. Now, that's an important thought that we want to develop later on. But for sake of our discussion right now, let's just continue talking about these local bodies. It's a group of individual believers who meet together in a specific geographical area. And so you're doing the Bible study with somebody, and you're going to explain your church, Faith Baptist. Here we are, and we gather. We choose to gather at such and such a place. And we are a group of local believers who live in this area trying to reach and disciple this area. And we all subscribe to basic tenets of the Christian faith, and so we have that agreement. We are what's called in theology the visible church. Okay, that you can see something actually gathering when we do that on the Sundays and we get together and do our Bible studies. And so that idea of local church is frequently used in the New Testament. And let me explain. And you may add this to some of your notes that 95% of the times Ecclesia shows up in the New Testament, it is obviously referencing a local entity, a geographical church body, not this family of God, but some gathering of believers united together in common faith and practice. 
And we know that that frequently happens, such as in Matthew 18, where Jesus is talking about that, that discipleship recovery program, where he says, if somebody doesn't respond to your challenge to them, and you go with one or more with you, then go and tell it to the church. We don't broadcast it over the internet to everybody universally. We tell it to a select local body that gathers together and keep that information there for that individual. Go, he says in Galatians, under the churches of Galatia, obviously referring to local bodies in that region of what we call Galatia. The churches of Judea, same thing. We have no such church, uh, such custom. He's talking about some of that communion feast. We don't have some of that custom, he says, in the churches of God, referring that there are multiple independent singular bodies that are gathering together. In fact, Revelation 2 and 3. It's written unto the angel or the pastor, the messenger to the church of, and then he lists several different churches that, yes, they were a part of the universal family of God, but they were identified as a local church. So this theme of local church is very, very important in the New Testament. Some people today will obviously respond and say, well, as long as I'm part of the family of God, uh, and then they want to ignore the local church. But the New Testament doesn't do that. The New Testament talks about, yes, we need to be born again in the family of God, but we're supposed to be actively involved in the practical outworking and responsibilities of churches in the local entities where God has placed us. In fact, there's a passage in Acts chapter 13 that, or 14 in your booklet. It says, when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Now, here's the question that you want to work through in your notebook, and you're talking with that disciple, and you're telling them, yes, there's this family of God, but there are also, there's an emphasis in the New Testament upon local churches such as Faith Baptist Church. Which concept is the author referring to in this text? It's not a hard question, but for the sake of helping your disciple understand, you ask them, which concept? Is he talking about some universal entity or is he talking about some local entity or gathering of believers that formulated into a small town area where they were working together? Well, you look at it, and your answer is going to be clear. Um, it's got to be a local church. How do you know that? Well, he talks about every church, not just the universal body, but he's identifying every locality where there are every local church in a, cal- in a localities. He's talking about elders in every church. Indicates that each church chose its own leadership. That each church had its, uh, its own pastor, the term for elder. That they had their own leadership. They didn't have a universal leader uh, beyond Jesus Christ. And so obviously the New Testament, what they were establishing as they went in missions, they were establishing local churches that were having local pastors, that were having local ministries. And then we could expand upon that and just say, okay, now when we look through all these verses, here in, the, in your notebook, you have the, the fill in the blank. Now, you get that same idea that there was a local church in Antioch, Sancria. There was one at Corinth. There was a local church of the Laodiceans. And so you want to make sure they understand that, yes, there is a universal body, but the bulk of the New Testament strongly emphasizes the idea of activity and, and involvement in a local church where there would be in a locality such as Lebanon, PA, this type of church and ministry that people should get involved in or wherever your disciple lives. 
um, the booklet gives a good illustration. It talks about the relationship of the universal church to local churches is similar to that whole idea of individual franchising, and they use McDonald's. They talk about each McDonald's franchise has its own local leadership, unique characteristics, but they, and they have a, still a central theme, a central ownership, and a central product being the Big Mac. So each Bible-based local church has its own local leadership, yet each is owned by Christ, has a common message, salvation from sin. And though it is a, a, an illustration that has um, some holes in it, it is a good illustration. Just get the concept that you and I are trying to relay to an individual that, yes, great, you're part of the family of God, but you should also be a part of a local church. And to do that, you need to be baptized, et cetera, et cetera, and help them to grow and to make commitments to that local church. Each local church is part of the universal body as well as, and I wanted to make this clear just for my sake of talking to you, uh, as well as it is a body of Christ in and of itself. Yes, we are part of the family of God, and yes, that can be referred to as the body. When Jesus Christ says to Paul, he says, why are you persecuting me? That idea of those related. But each local church is also called the body of Christ. We are going to expand upon that in a few minutes when we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But just as you remember in 1 Corinthians 12, he says to the Corinthians, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And so he talks in that context about them being gifted as the hand, the eyes, the nose, the ear and they are put into that body at Corinth and they are contributing to that body so as to help it to grow and that whole idea of that diversity of gifts is all about helping the body to grow and so the point being each local church is part of this large body of Christ but it is in and of itself is also a body of Christ a visible body of Christ so the universal church can't do what the local church can we've already talked about it the local churches can meet they can have officers, they can do communion, they can take up weekly offerings to help decide ministries that they're going to support, which we do and we function and how we're going to assist and which are the, how to help our, our own widows and different things of that sort. They can conduct orderly services in one language. You know, a universal church would have difficulty doing a church service with all the different tongues represented in languages. But we can conduct orderly services because we're in one locale where typically there's one tongue that's being spoken uh, more and more as time goes by. We can do the recovery program. We can go and see an individual. And if we need to put somebody out of the fellowship, we have a fellowship to put them out that is an actual visible fellowship that would help bring to the bearing to them the seriousness of their sins. So local churches can do a ministry that was never designed for the universal church. And so we today are practicing and saying, okay, local church is very, very important. It's great part of the universal church, but it is a greater privilege to be a part of a local church where you can serve and contribute. And that would be the theme of the Bible study that we want to make sure we emphasize with these new converts so that they follow the scriptures, that they need to not just be born again, but they need to be involved in a local church where they can contribute and they can grow. How would you define the church? Now let's bring back and let's talk about local church. For the most common New Testament usages, let's, let's just make a couple comments as we develop our thoughts a little bit further. Uh, a church is not determined by numbers. That it isn't, okay, the, okay, you're not a church unless you have X amount of people. A church is not determined by, by that type of thing. A church is determined rather by the relationship of all those present. That they are born again. That they are having a common faith in Christ. That they have a common intent. A common purpose, we should probably put it that way. Or a, 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 a common goal. They have an organization. 
that they have some type of, of structure as a body has a structure that there is some type of functioning together and working together and prescribed formula. They have some type of activity. We can go to the book of Acts and we can find out what that activity is that, that made up the New Testament church, that they were active in, in fulfilling these purposes of, of evangelism and edification and worship and fellowship. And so we have all of that put together, but you and I want to make sure that we keep this in mind. It's not in your notes, but this is an important thought that you may want to add to them, that we define church biblically. We define church as an organized assembly of born-again, baptized believers who are united to Christ and who voluntarily unite with one another to do God's business according to God's word. That statement is really, really, really an important statement for you to define church and to make sure that they understand what we mean by church. Because again, I'll take you back to that original opening statements we had on this whole chapter. Opening statements talked a lot about church has all kinds of ideas. That night that we gathered and I asked, what does church mean to some people? Some of you said a denomination. Some said a building. Some... So you want to clarify to the individual that it's a group of people, but it's a group of specific people that are organized together. Individuals who are born again, individuals who are believers by, that have followed in believers' baptism, Acts chapter 2, then they that gladly received the word were added unto them. And they are united voluntarily to do God's business as prescribed by God's word. And so this is an important definition. If you haven't yet written it, I'd get it in the insert of that book so that you have this and you keep in mind this is a definition that is clearly a biblical definition to help you, the, the disciple, to understand what is church. Who are we talking about when we use this term? Uh, let's go a little bit further. The, in your booklet now, talking with verse uh, uh, page number 100, they start talking about different concepts of church, and they want to expand upon it. And they're going to use a lot of the different titles and the different, different terminology used, pictures used in reference to the church. And they're going to explain them, and we're going to take a couple weeks to, do, to cover them because of the amount of material. But we want to highlight what are some of those titles, and what do those titles, why did he choose them? Um, the, those titles have different significance. They have some different meanings. And so if you just stop and think for a moment, okay? And when we asked this already in the beginning of the game that we played, is what are some different titles used for church in the New Testament that, uh, that help give a de- depiction of it? And you might be sitting there and thinking through, what are different names? What are different titles? And so we start thinking about that, and some of you are already coming up with these. You're coming up with some that may be different than what I'm putting here on the board, but these are some of those that show up, that talk about, okay, the different idea, the different concept of what what we're referring to. And I want you to do this as we talk about the one this evening for the remainder of our time. We're just going to talk about the body of Christ. Uh, I want you to think in your mind, and have this for each one of these as we go through. That in your booklet, write down a word or a phrase that comes to mind when you think about the body of Christ. What singular word or phrase does that picture seem to emphasize to you? We'll come back to that in a few moments, but you're thinking, okay, when we talk about the temple of God, okay, we're talking about church being the temple of God, the house of God. What singular concept might he be emphasizing that, that helps to describe church? 
and helps to get the concept of why it is important. So we're thinking about the body of Christ. Keep that in mind, a singular phrase or a concept or idea that the body, calling church the body, what, what would that be emphasizing to you? So with our study this evening, let's do the body. Okay, the body is the most common New Testament uh, picture, illustration used for church. And so I'm going to invite you to just join me in three different passages this evening. And we're going to start with Romans chapter 12, if I don't slip and fall here at the front. Uh, Romans chapter 12, and just read a few verses, then jump to another text and read a few verses, and then answer some questions and let you get on with what else you have planned. In Romans chapter 12, let's start here in verse 4. You have your Bibles through there. For we, uh, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office or position. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Let's do another text, keeping this in mind. In 1 Corinthians, this is the most common and uh, extensive passage on the body. We're just going to pick up five verses of it. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about the gifts in the beginning of the book. He's talking about how God has placed some with prophecy tongues, some with uh, miracles, some with preaching, different things of that. But he has given to every person. Uh, The Spirit has given some form of a gift to help the body. Let's pick up in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one body. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But let me just continue on. But God, but now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. I remind you, verse 27. You are the body of Christ and members in particular. And so he's given that title, that idea, and he picks up with it in Ephesians, another passage that talks about that same body concept, where he says in Ephesians chapter 1, Talking about these gifts, he says, He hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And then we talked about this in Colossians already. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn, that he might have preeminence. Okay, this concept of body shows up a lot in the New Testament. And so just as you're going through your Bible study, just for a moment here, just think this through yourself. What lesson, taking and looking at your body, standing before a mirror and going, Ugh, you're looking at the body. So what lesson do you learn from the fact that you're one body, but you have many parts? Uh, no analogies here to church yet. We're going to do that next. But what stands out about the fact that you're one body, but you have many parts? Hmm. Think it through. Here's the things that I thought of. That came to my mind. Our many body parts are given various functions that each one of them is specifically designed to do. Okay, we, we see that. Hands, they move all over the place while I talk. Eyes, they do the communication. Specifically designed to do certain things. Mouth, to talk a lot. So our body has many parts, but those parts are united for the mutual benefit of the whole body. So they work together. They're trying to help the whole body to function, the whole body to do something or to grow or to maintain life and growth. Our body parts are interdependent. That is true. They have the two hands, but they work in in harmony. They work together. 
Yeah, the body parts cannot maintain their own life and growth apart from the body as a whole. And without being morbid, without being coarse, without being gross, we cannot all of a sudden dissect our hand from our body and expect the hand to continue on. And so we know that's true in the physical body. Now, let's take the jump. Let's take the leap. And let's start making the parallels between our church and our body. Our body has many different peoples, many different individuals within it, our church body. Okay, so what do we learn and how do we make parallels here? I would say this, like our bodies, churches have many unique body parts that, that are different from one another. They are united for a mutual gain, a mutual benefit. These parts are interdependent. They cannot exist healthy, in a healthy fashion apart from the others. Like our body parts, each is, assigned, is designed to do certain jobs certain tasks, make certain contributions. They are given gifts to do their jobs. Interesting that in the book of Romans, the book of 1 Corinthians, and the book of Ephesians, every one of those texts that talks about the body, each one of those texts also talks about the spiritual gifts that are given as, as to the different body parts to contribute. <clears throat> Let's make another comment. Therefore, not everyone is expected to do or does the exact same job. We also know this, that when it comes to similar to our physical bodies, the picture of church, they all have different responsibilities, but the same goal or purpose, which is to maintain good health and growth. So all of our different responsibilities, we have different responsibilities, our parts, but we are all designed to help growth take place. We are all purposed to help maintain good health in the body. These spiritual body parts work under one head, one authority. Just like you have one mind that's going to guide and direct. So Christ is the head of the church. So as to guide us, he is the singular head. He is the singular authority. And frequently is called, he's the head, he's the head, he's the head. To give us that, that concept. So what if every member of your body wanted to carry out the function of the eyes? That's what he asked in First Corinthians. He says, what lesson does that teach concerning the church? The lesson's clear. If every part were to do the same job, we'd become abnormal. We'd be very limited. If all of us were doing the one thing, the, the seeing, or the one thing he talks about, the ear, you know, there'd be limits. We need all types of people ministering in all types of ways. Not everyone is to do the exact same jobs in the church. And God has assigned certain people certain functions within the local church, which is part of that great beauty that God has placed within the local church. Excuse me, I want to... Ja, let's see, let me back up to where I wanted to be. There we go. And God has assigned certain people certain functions, continuing on. Each assignment has a unique benefit to the whole. Each body part is important. You who may not think that you are in the, the front line of ministries, you are still of vital importance to the rest of us. Your prayer support, your encouragement, your help that you give, absolutely phenomenal. Every body part has, a job, has an assigned job to do. And uh, if it doesn't get done, we all hinder, we all hurt by it. So we ask this question in, your, in page number 100. If your foot or hand is injured, the entire body is affected. Now you know that. You've experienced that. When you get a toothache, it bothers you and keeps up your whole body awake at night. If you've got a stomachache, your whole body is affected by your stomach being, being hurt. If you have a, a sore toe, it's amazing how your entire walk and gait as you go about the day, that's affected by a sore thumb or whatever. And so we know that that is true. What does that tell you then about the church? What does it tell you that if one part is hurting, the entire is affected? Hmm. 
Well, the church's bodies are, we're united. We're uniquely united. It's something that, that there's, no other, there's no other illustration concept in the world to fully, to fully manifest this idea of how God has put us together in a wonderful spiritual fashion and we're interdependent. We impact each other immensely and the other body parts that are hurting, that are in need, hey, the rest of us are supposed to be sensitive to them. We're supposed to come beside. We're supposed to give a hand to relieve those body parts while they're recovering. And so this whole idea of caring and loving and being considered is just so essential to that New Testament. And you're talking to that new convert and you're explaining that. This is a beauty. This is something that is glorious that needs to be emphasized that they can find help. They can find acceptance. They can find some, some contribution that they can make within the body of Christ. They need a church. That idea of church concept is so important and so helpful. And that expression that we should have to being able to be giving to one another and helping one another, just absolutely beautiful, beautiful concept. Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love that we may grow up into him in all things. This is the text that we've been using as our theme throughout this whole study. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the working, the effectual working and the measure of every part, it makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Tough text. Difficult text. A little bit more difficult to understand, but it teaches, and we've talked about this, that every joint, every part contributes to the unity of the body. It teaches that every member of the local church should be involved in some sort of ministry. That every ligament, every muscle needs to be moving, needs to be to maintain good health, needs to be giving some way. Ministry is not the job of the pastor or a select few. This is the theme that, that prompted us to go into this whole study. Ministry is the responsibility of everybody. And so as you're talking to this new convert, this is a concept that we don't usually mention, but we ought to be mentioning. It's so biblical. We ought to be mentioning about that idea that when people yoke up with the local church, they're making commitments. It's not just to get, it's to give. It's to be able to contribute. It's to be able to help others. And what a profound thought in this day and age to be saying to people, if you're going to yoke up with a body of Christ, that you're making commitment to trying to help the body to grow. That you're going to be sensitive and you're going to be interactive with one another. The church honors the Lord through an every member ministry. The result, a healthy growing body. And that's what we strive for. That's what we want. That's what we pray for. These biblical concepts need to be reiterated. Maybe they need to be reminded in our own lives. That, hey, wait a minute. You know, church isn't something we can just pick up and go and take and, and leave, but it is something we are to be committed to. That we're supposed to be helping the body of Christ where God has placed us in and making contributions. Hey, the comment being a Christian without a local church is like a body without or a hand without a body. We, we find that kind of silly. But let me take you back in a little bit of history just for a moment again. Do you remember the program? Do you remember the Adams Family? Remember they had a character in the show that really was not a character, but it was a hand. Do you remember it? Do you remember how it would come up out of the box and it would be, called, it would be there and it would at times do things? It was called the what? The thing. It was an abnormality. Well, in the same way, a believer without a church is an abnormality. They're a thing. They need the body. Now, with that concept, let's go back to where we started. What one thought stands out from the title of the body? We just went through it rather quickly, a really profound thought and discussion on church by using just one singular illustration. 
One example that Christ used, the body. What stands out? If you were to say, okay, when I think about the body, okay, and that idea of church as a body, what singular word, phrase, would you say, this is what it seems to be emphasizing? Hmm. Have you thought of something? Something that the body, what does that mean when it comes to local church? Maybe you had some of these ideas. Maybe you say, hey, the, the thought comes to me that we're talking about unity or dependence or diversity or how much we need each other or how we need to be contributing. Or maybe it's the idea of cooperating, working with one another, or variety. All of these are true. The complexity and yet the simplicity of the body. Maybe it's growth. Take that singular thought. Write that in your notes so that as you teach, you can be saying, hey, here's a singular thought that God has impressed upon your heart that you can impress upon somebody else and help them to be able to think through. Body means hmm, unity. Body means contributing. Body means Whatever that thought is, I'm sure that it's going to be a good one. If you have some others, make sure you share those with me. I want to thank you for joining us for just this evening's Bible study. We're going to pick up and go further and move at a quicker pace next time. But thanks for being here. Have a wonderful week in the Lord.